Coach Steen, we're back. How are you tonight? I'm uh, fantastic, man. I'm uh, I'm ready for this uh, this edition. This is another a unique one to us, I guess. I mean, we're we're getting a a true podcaster. I would really say here. I mean, um, I think we're 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 a couple of jabronis, and now we're we're uh, really getting somebody who knows what they're doing. So I'm excited about that tonight. Yeah, it's pretty exciting, and it's funny as we always talk about. We want to try to make our guests guess or our listeners guess who we are having on even though it's in the name of the <laughs> podcast and they usually I, i'm assuming they click on it for that reason so for us to be like hey you know surprise but uh tonight we have coach dan krikorian he's from chapman university out in california so this is a big time change uh, situation for us so we're pretty excited to have him on as I mentioned, he's assistant coach at Chapman. He's been there for 10 years, and they've had some great success. If you look back in those years that he's been there, he also, in 2020, which seemed to be right around when we started having a pandemic, he founded a, with a with his buddy, he founded a podcast called Slapping Glass, and it is just that sucker. When it comes into my inbox, it is almost autoplay as soon as I can. The cool and it, what's neat about it is I didn't know anything about it, but uh, he had one of our guests on there, Josh Shirts, and so I listened to Josh and I listened to some others, Josh uh, Leffler, and then he had Jeff Van Gundy, and I was hooked at that point. Like they just said, then they just started going crazy. He's also a published musician. That's a first, right? We never had a published musician, um, so we might get in get him to serenade us later, but we'll see. We'll just have to see how much time we have. He's also a professor. Like he's, I mean, this guy, he's well-rounded. But Dan Krikorian, welcome. How are you tonight? Guys, thanks for having me. Appreciate the intro. Uh, happy to be on. I'm doing really well. So before we get into our title question, Dan, do you prefer to be known as a coach? Or are you starting to be like, hey, I'm I'm getting up there in the podcaster world. I might be known as a podcaster. You know, I hope to always be known as a coach. I feel like that's uh, nearest and dearest to my heart. And uh, the podcast and the business stuff has kind of been born out of that. But I feel like coach, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things, an honor to be called a coach. When someone calls you coach, it's something uh, it's nice to hear. So I would prefer coach and then all that other stuff can follow after. No question. And uh, as Billy and I talk and to a lot of our guests, we call not to lose any of its luster, but we call everybody coach because it's just easier that way. And we, so we yeah. don't forget, we don't forget names if we just start calling them coach. Like I'm calling Michael Lombardi coach too. So I yeah. felt kind of weird about that, but let's get going, man. How are you wired coach? Big question to start, right? I'm sure all your guests, I, I thought about this a little bit because uh, you mentioned this is, you know, and I've listened back to some, you've had some great guests on some that we've had on the show too. And for me, you know, I would consider myself a very curious, constant learner type of person. And it's always just been how I've been wired. I really enjoy the creative process, either from coaching, from podcasting, from music, from, you know, you mentioned I'm a professor as well, which is true in those classes I was able to create. And I, I'm just always interested in things. And I usually try to lead with that interest and with that curiosity. And so whatever domain that I happen to find myself in that day, 
I'm kind of wired to ask questions and to kind of stand back first and, and hear from others. And so that's one thing that drives me. And then, boy, I love to compete. Uh, I think as coaches, we're wired to compete and we're wired to try to be the best we can be, whether that's personally with a lot of the business stuff, the podcast stuff, or with our teams. I think those two things really drive me and have wired me. And then I think as I've gotten older too, and we can delve into fatherhood and as you grow as a person, when you start having kids and a family and how that affects those other parts of your life. And so I think my wiring has changed a little bit as I've you know become a father. I'm about to have another one. I don't know when this will air, but I have another one around the corner coming. And so you know, kind of all those three things I think would sum up if people that knew me well might agree or say that's a large part of who I am. Yeah. Fatherhood definitely changes, you know, how you handle losses and, and puts things in perspective. And like, you know, there's much more important things that we need to really worry about. So I, I totally get that one for sure. Coach, who were some of your mentors, you know, that kind of helped develop that curiosity of yours? Yeah, good question. So I would say one of my mentors, and I, I always go back whenever I'm asked this question, it's it's my dad. Um, and from a lot of different aspects, but you know, my mom and dad too, but I think, you know, now that I'm a father and I, I watched a lot of the things that he did for our family. And I think that a lot of the things I think about life, about coaching, about people, about jobs, about business, all of it, you know, have been born from conversations or things with my father growing up. My father was not a coach. Um, he did coach me when I was a kid, you know, growing up sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And then he kind of left it there. Uh, he was a, a football player in college at the junior college level for a couple of years. But, you know, I think that my dad is well-respected amongst people in his circles for being a hard worker, for being curious, for being a great family man. And I've always hoped that, hey, if I could be like that and whatever I choose to do, right, whatever avenue life takes me, that's really been kind of my guiding light as a person. And I just happen to choose basketball as my pat. Well, I don't know if I chose basketball. Basketball sort of chose me. And maybe that's something we get into. But my passion is obviously basketball in a lot of these things. And so he's been a mentor just from that standpoint, you know, from slapping glass and from the coaching world, as this thing has grown beyond Pat and I's, Pat's the, uh, my co-host, the other partner in crime on that it's grown beyond our, our wildest dreams. I mean, without a doubt. Um, and there's been so many people that have come into our lives and have stayed in our lives that I, I can't even believe. I can't even believe it. You know, sometimes I think, you know, people that will text me back or call me back that are heroes of mine. It's been amazing. And so there's too many to name right now, but there's certainly been a ton in that aspect as well. Did it surprise you? Like how willing our basketball community willing to share? Did that surprise you at all? It did at the beginning, and now it surprises me less and less as I've gotten right. deeper and deeper into slapping glass. And I think, I think what's surprised me less is because, you know, whether you're at the high school division three, European pro level, there is a commonality between all of us. There is right. a bond that we all share, and I think that, you know, we all kind of know a little bit the lives we lead with the wins and the losses, and how hard and how difficult it can be, and you sort of have this badge of honor as a coach. And so I think that as I've gotten deeper into this thing with slapping glass, um, I'm not less surprised, but I just, I think that the people that hopefully we attract to slapping glass, they're 
there is sort of a brotherhood, a kinship that they want to share. They want to grow. They want to help the game at large. And early on, I mean, for sure, I could not believe, you know, some of the names we were able to get on and them to just sit on a podcast like we're doing right now and just share. And maybe some of that was born out of the pandemic, as you mentioned, when we got started and we're all kind of sitting around wanting to share and learn and grow. Um, But I'm, I'm always just, I guess, honored to be in those conversations. And it's exciting to kind of be at times, I guess, just have a front row seat to my heroes and hear what they're going to say or what they're going to share. It's a tremendous honor to have you on. And by the way, through researching, I I must say that you have a beautiful family. So I'm excited for you to, to add a, add another one to your team. So let's talk a little hoops here. What do you, what would you say? So maybe we can frame this in two ways. What would you say your strength as a basketball coach is, or maybe instead of strength, usually your strength is what you love to do most in your position. If the strength is not what you love to do, but you're really good at it, fire away. If not, you know, what do you love to do in your coaching position? Well, I think before we hop on the court, one of the things I think that drew me to basketball, drew me to coaching and still that drives me to this day is I just enjoy the um, the bond that I get to form with our team, with our players. That's really special to me. And I think it's unlike a lot of other professions. And, you know, I've had some other professions before getting into coaching, like I'm sure a lot of your listeners have had as you, you know, try to figure this whole thing out. But I truly enjoy seeing, you know, guys at the college level for us come in as 17, 18, 19 year olds and leave, you know, 22, 23 year olds and the bond that gets formed and how they grow over those four years. And to this day, still having a ton who are, you know, I would call friends and have become family members or families have uh, families of their own, excuse me. I really enjoy that. I think that's uh, one of the reasons that the wins and losses and all that as you get older, they don't, I wouldn't say they get necessarily easier right at the moment, but you get more perspective on it. And that's something I think that I would say is a strength of mine is I care a lot about our guys. I care a lot about our team. Um, and that drives me quite a bit. And then from there, you know, I'm, I go back to being curious and being creative. And that's a, a lot of what's driven slapping glass and all the stuff that we do. And as a coach, I think that's a strength of mine. I'm curious. I'm creative. I don't think I always have the right answer. If something's not working, I'm willing to try to research, to study, to get to whatever is the best way to win. And I think that that's something, you know, you put those two things together and, you know, I would say those are things that I lead with as a coach. Those are things that I care a lot about. I care a lot about our guys. I care a lot about finding answers to help them win, to help us be the best we can be, whatever that is, Um, you know, and (laughs) slapping glass, I'm getting a chance to talk talk, study, look at what the best are doing all over the place. And you got to kind of chunk that down to what works for your team, which I'm sure we can get into. But I would say those are a couple of things I'd lead with. Now you've been for 10 years, you were at the high school level for four uh, previously, correct? Correct. Is there anything you miss at the high school level? Um, You know, is there anything in particular? So I'll say this, the high school that I coached at was the high school that I, I played at. So, um, in general, it's sort of a lower income, lower socioeconomic area. So when I went back and I coached there, you know, 
teaching those guys at the JV level when I first started and then eventually I got to be the high school head coach. Yeah, you're so much more than just their basketball coach. You're their world. You're their father figure, their uncle, uh, you know, teaching them just to jump stop and make a chess pass or whatever is something that sometimes no one had ever taught them before. And so you're really getting a raw um, experience from them. And at times I do miss that. You know, at times it was really hard. You know, you want to do other stuff. And it's like, man, these guys can't even dribble with their left hand that well at this point. So you got to kind of slow yourself down. But you can really feel the impact on their lives at that young age. And, you know, our guys at Chapman, I for sure am deeply in their lives in a different way. But they're men. You know, they're young men. And it's a little bit different. I love that experience as well. But I have some great, great memories those four years back at my alma mater, which was also special. It's where I played as well. Creating that relationship with those, um, with the players and in the community as well is really special to me. So Coach Bo, who's the head coach at Chapman, has been there for 23 years. What would you say he does well that you really admire when you work with him? Yeah, and so Coach Bukowski, who, yeah, you mentioned um, – all those years and I, it might actually be a little bit longer. I think he actually is in his 30 years now. I don't know um, oh, wow. where he looked up that the math might be wrong or where, but <laughs> he's been over 40 years now in the college game. So he was 11 years at the division one level over 30 years at Chapman. And so you're talking about 40 plus years in the college game. He's seen some stuff, not a lot bothers him. And I think I've learned a lot from him and to not overreact or underreact or just about the process and about how to, you know, kind of maintain your energy level as a coach throughout what are long seasons, you know, division three is a little bit shorter than division one. You know, now we've added actually extra days this year, but you know, it's a long season and being able to maintain your own balance personally through the ups and downs, I think is I take that a lot from him. I mean, you're not in this game for 40 plus years if you don't figure out how to kind of regulate yourself mentally, emotionally, physically, all those things. So I really, you know, take that quite a bit from him. He's also phenomenal at just chunking down to what is absolutely necessary and important and not getting caught up in fluff that's not needed, that's not important. And I think that over the time coaching with him, and I also played for him for four years. That's a staple of one of our teams or all of our teams, excuse me, is that you know, we do what's important over and over and over and over again. And at the end of the day, then you do those things all the time and you should be pretty tough to beat. If you've got some talent, you play hard, you're tough and you do all those things well, you know, you got a chance night in, night out. And he's really good at that. He's really good at maintaining that energy throughout the season. He's really good at just getting down to exactly what's important for our team and it might be, you know, that week or something we ask ourselves every day when we meet as a staff is, what does our team need today? What do we need today? Not what did we need yesterday? Not what do we think we need next week? Today, what do we need to give to them? Whether it's practice, whether it's whatever support on or off the court. So he's phenomenal at that. And I, you know, definitely take that from him on a day-to-day basis. That's a that's a great question that we can all ask ourselves. What what does our team need today and and get to it what does self-care look for look like to you dan well so self-care i think it depends on uh, 
like it, I'll steal something that coaches say on our podcast all the time. It depends. Um, but I think that, boy, as I've become a father and my time is now even more limited in the season, you know, I think that for me, having some time to to work out, um, having some time to, you know, decompress so that I can, you know, kind of have that energy for my family when I'm home or, you know, for our team when we get to it. But I think that I've really gotten better at carving out those times of the day. As you mentioned, I, I do do a lot of things right now <laughs> between mm-hmm. coaching, teaching, slapping glass, uh, music stuff. And so I think as I've gotten older, I've gotten better at you know time management. I think that's super important for me to have times of the day where I carve out for myself, for my family, and then all these things that I do to kind of have their their set times of the day for, for, and when I can. It's not always possible, but that's a lot with the uh, self-care for me. It's funny. I just wrote balancing time. I wanted to ask you because I just wrote it down and, and you hit it. So it's fantastic. Coach, we have in Florida, we don't have any D3 schools. Uh, can you give us a little insight on that level and what it's like in the West Coast? I know for us, we have you know some schools in the Southeast, uh, mainly in the Northeast for us, though. Uh, but can you give us a little insight? For sure. And it's a great level. It's a non-scholarship level, which in some cases we do love because these guys are playing for the purity of the love of the game still, which is great. So our guys are not able to get athletic scholarships or nobody is at the division three level academic scholarships they certainly can there's other types of financial aid but excuse me deliver division three basketball it is a high level of basketball it's not just you know players that you know played a year jv and then felt like playing in college it's not intramurals i mean we have guys on our team that were all state um you know they're they're those players that maybe you weren't quite division two scholarship. We do have a bunch of guys on our team that did get division two type scholarships, but, you know, based off of a variety of factors still decided to come to us. And I think that most of the really good division three programs across America, the better players in those teams could play a lot of places, higher levels for sure. And so uh, it's a great level. It's, it's pure basketball where, like I said, they're not on scholarship. Chapman is a high academic school. Our conference is made up of, you know, very high academic schools. The toughest one being Caltech, which I think is like the second hardest school to get into in the world, followed by like Claremont, Pomona, Pitzer in our conference as well. So high academic players, um, but great players as well. So very competitive. West Coast, we're a little bit isolated. We only have one conference out here in California or really in the West Coast. And then there's one other one in the Northwest. So Division Three is pretty Midwest, Northeast located. That's where most of the schools are. And so we're a bit of an island out here, but it's just a bit about the level. So I've had some kids go play division three and I'm not proud of this, but they seem to struggle with finishing it out, I guess is the way to say it. But I do know guys that when they go and do it and they, it's what they do, they've had great careers and great is it something that y'all deal with that's a difficult thing is the turnover? Do you not have it or just is that a rarity? I think the nature of Division Three, you have a little bit more turnover likely than Division Two, Division One, because your players aren't on scholarship. So, you know, your ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth player, if they're not seeing 
the time. They're not seeing the you know return on their investment of time. You know, a lot of these players are high academic. They can get in internships. They can start moving on to other parts of their lives. And so I think you know, as you get deeper down the bench, you might find some of that turnover a little bit higher level, at least from the experience that I've seen. Um, but you know, those that finish out, I mean, I've been lucky. I think I've coached five, is it six maybe now players that have gone on and played professionally overseas for multiple years. And I know there's a lot of division three players playing at a lot of pro levels. And so, you know, it's, it's, they're good players, really good players out there. And I think that, yeah, you might have a, a little more than say your division one, division two, but mostly because of that non-scholarship nature. Is there any misconceptions of D3 that really bothers you? Um, well, I don't know if it bugs me anymore, but I think that the general thought of, oh, it's just like an extension of varsity basketball. Right. Like we get tons and tons of emails from co- players, coaches, and, you know, they send, hey, this guy wants to play on your team next year. And you look at the film and look at who it is. And, you know, maybe they're an okay high school player, but like not understanding, <laughs> like for us to be good, for any division three team to be good, we always say this in our recruiting, we need division two players like division two teams need division one guys that bounce back division one guys need the highest of, you know, everybody kind of needs a little bit higher than their level. And so for us, our recruiting board is just lined with players that we know are also being recruited by division twos because we know that division twos can't get all of them. You know, some of them are going to slip through the cracks or, you know, variety, variety of reasons might choose us. And so I think that, you know, we do always hear from coaches or players even that just think they can kind of walk on and play because it's division three and uh, boy, that's just not the case. You know, you come to a really good conference game uh, with any of the schools in our conference and those guys can really play like our conference is all six, four is it feels like they're all six, four, six, five can all shoot it, can all pass it, can all you know make the right decision. It's just, there's no bad players anywhere. Yeah, we have some good NAIA schools in our area. So I always like to try to take some of my guys that have aspirations of playing the next level to a game. And then they're they're always kind of like, wow, these guys are really good, <laughs> really good. So they, it's kind of an yeah. eye-opening experience. But I'm glad to I will say this too, I, just to follow up, Yeah, you know, and this is something just even from all the stuff I do with slapping glass, some of the best coaches in the world are at the Division three level. I mean, some of the people that I've had on the podcast that I know they can really, really coach. And for a variety of reasons, you know, they could coach at a higher level. But, you know, sometimes these Division three head jobs, especially, can be really good jobs for life balance. Like we talked earlier about how do you balance all this stuff? You know, sometimes a Division three head job is a better job than, than a lot of other ones. You know, I get a chance to talk to tons of coaches all over the world. And just your level doesn't determine how good your job is necessarily. Um, and so some of the great, great coaches across America, across the world are at the division three level. They can teach, they can recruit, they know how to bring a team together culturally. I mean, I've got a ton of respect for coaches everywhere, but some of the best I know for sure are at the division three level. That's a great point of balance of time too. I'm noticing a lot of division ones now hiring division three head coaches like Josh Leffler, for example, he's now a division one assistant in Cincinnati. And I want to say there's another one, but I, I, or few, there's a few, another few. I know Mike maker who was at Williams. He's now with us at St. Thomas. And I mean, I just a couple that come to mind. So yeah, I mean, there is a value 
value there. And the one thing I do tell my kids when they're considering a Division three school is you have to love it because you are paying for it. And you are, you're going to get all the experience you get for being in a college basketball program, but you really got to love it because when you're, when you're paying for it, if you don't and it doesn't work out, it, it could be tough sledding for the next, you know, few years or, or however it goes. So I, that's what I kind of stress with them when they are considering that. And, and Hey, if you're going to do this, do it for the academics, do it for, you know, you're going to, to Chapman for a top 200 national education or whatever it is. That's how I kind of try to frame it with my kids. Like, don't just say, Hey, I want to go play college basketball because it doesn't, I don't think that always works out for them or it hasn't seemed to work out for some of the kids that I've seen do that. It's like, I just want to play college basketball. I don't care where, well, you you need to care because it's not, (laughs) it's, it's not easy. It's not, like you said, you're, you're going to go in and earn your spot. Those kids are older guys that have been around. So it's a, it's, it's a real good level. Well, let's, let's segue into slapping glass. How, so can, how did it come about? Like, what do you, I mean, y'all just sitting around saying, Hey, you know what? Let's, let's start a podcast. Well, like most good ideas, this one started over a couple of beers at mm, a bar, you indeed. know, um, <laughs> but you know, so my, my business partner in this Patrick Carney, him and I were teammates at Chapman, my alma mater, I coach at now. And then uh, Pat, you know, I was a, I was an average division three player, a good division three player. Pat was a tremendous division three player and went and played for 15 years overseas in Germany. And um, this is a little bit where I guess music and all this intersects uh, must've been four years ago. Now I was on a tour in Germany for music and I had a couple of shows kind of up in the area of Germany where Pat lived at the time and so um, Pat decided to join me and my wife kind of for a couple of shows uh, to come to the show. And then we were in Berlin for one of my shows. And uh, after the show in Berlin, you know, Pat and I were in the hotel bar, just talking hoops, talking life. You know, we've been really close, best of friends since college. And um, we just talked about, hey, if opportunity ever came up, we just had this idea to do something we thought was maybe a little different or unique to us. And if we ever had the opportunity, we thought we'd we'd give it a shot or we'd, you know, throw some things out there and see how it worked. And so it wasn't until whatever it was, maybe a year later when, you know, we had a little bit more time on our hands when COVID hit and things were shut down. My season was shut down. Um, Pat's as well over in Germany. And we just decided to start throwing a couple of things out there. We had this idea of how we wanted to kind of edit videos. And then uh, that was what started first is kind of throwing some detailed videos out that, you know, we'd say, hey, this is what coaches talk about, you know, within the coaching conversations. What if we put it out there and really like honed in on kind of how we do it or how we think about it? And, you know, we were lucky to gain a little traction slowly but surely on Twitter and a little bit on YouTube. And then, you know, I hosted a podcast before Slapping Glass. It's called Beautiful Work Podcast. I did 50 episodes where I interviewed people all over the map, musicians, CEOs, you know, coaches as well. And so I'd kind of earned a little bit of my 10,000 hours of, you know, editing and podcast hosting work on that. And I told Pat, I said, Hey, 
you know, we're sitting around, I've got all the stuff, I got all the audio equipment. Um, what if we just brought some of these coaches on and really dove into some of these things that we're interested in? And it started with, um, we asked Elliot Steinmetz, who Yeshiva men's basketball head coach, which was a division three program. We had done a couple of videos on them. They want run a great motion offense. And we said, Hey, let's just bring them on and ask them about how he runs his motion offense. And it just built from there. Um, it, that first episode did pretty well. You know, coaches seemed to like it. We asked a couple of our friends on that we knew from college. He knew a couple from Europe. And uh, we just started to see some traction. And it's taken off kind of to a place that we could have never imagined. And uh, I guess I'll stop there for questions because that's kind of <laughs> how it started. And, you know, we can talk about all the other steps in between. Well, Joe and I, we had a, a golf outing. So that's kind of where, where we originated <laughs> that's from. That's right. Joe, Joe's like, uh, you know, hey, we always talk about this stuff. What, what, what if we, what if we did a podcast? And I'm like, all right, Joe, whatever you say, man. He's the smart one, so I just, <laughs> I just went along with that guy. So that's awesome to hear uh, at a bar and go from there. Yep. How do you handle feedback, like positive, good, negative? Like, how do you handle feedback from, you know, view listeners and viewers and things of that nature? Yeah, I think it's good. All of it. You know, I think you learn over time what what's helpful, what you filter out, you know, right. I think when, I think Pat and I are very aligned on our mission, our goals, what we want the whole feel and look and the whole slapping glass deal to be, we're very aligned on it. So if there's feedback that's within that, that can help, or, you know, even if it's negative feedback, but it's within the things that we really care about, we right. take it really seriously. We we talk all the time. We talk daily on all sorts of things. Or someone has a suggestion here that this could be better. Or, hey, we read this. Or someone sent us this. We take that really seriously. If it's outside of the things that we care about that much, we, we just let it go. Because it's just not worth our time. I think that's one of the things, maybe a theme so far in this podcast is time management. And that's also in the business sense, too, of you know, someone gives you a, a suggestion. If it just doesn't fit what you're doing at the time or what's right for your business or what aligns with your ethos, right, as, as to what we do, then sure, okay, it's there, but we don't try to let it bother us too much. Now, if it's a bunch of the same thing coming up over and over, right, maybe it catches your attention. But I think feedback's good. I think, you know, as a coach giving it to your players, it's good. I think players giving it to a coach is good on that backside. And then as a business you know, like I said, if it's within that stuff, we take it seriously. Does Coach Bo listen? <laughs> Why is he not he on does. yet? What's going on? Why is he I've not asked on him yet? Over, I ask him all the time, over and over and over, and he he <laughs> politely declines. He, he said maybe sometime down the line, but trust me, I ask him all the time. <laughs> I asked I asked my best friend, and he I don't know if he has imposter syndrome or whatever, but he's just like I like listening to those people. I don't want. I'm not one of those one of those coaches that you guys get on there. So I, I, I can, I can relate, but dude, sure. like you consume so much. It, it has to be blowing your mind that when you're sitting there and Rick Patino and Paul Westhead and Bill Parcells and Michael Lombardi and Brad Stevens, and you know, the list goes on and on. How many have you done? Do you have a count? I think we're, uh, yeah, I think we're like one sixty something, I think is our next one. I mean, we're, we're working way ahead right now. So like I, Sure. As we're recording, I think we're around 160. Uh, and as you mentioned, those are some of my heroes. A lot of those guys, <laughs> I can't believe we talked yeah. to. 
like you consume so much like how how can you how do you implement some of it or you just maybe one day you'll implement it or this situation arises and like hey i talked to sundance wicks and he said he he said or I talked to Wes Miller and they do X amount of defensive drills every day. Hey coach, maybe we should try that this year or something like, how do you implement some of this stuff? This might be one of my biggest takeaways from doing this podcast and running this whole business is I think that the best coaches, I think the best leaders, they have just a fundamental understanding of who they are, what fits who they are as a person, what fits their team or their business and the other stuff's great. It's fun to think about. It's fun to digest. But then they know ultimately like what should be filtered into what they do. And so I think that that's something Pat and I are always amazed at. These great coaches, they just have a fundamental understanding of their team and themselves. And they know how to do that. They know how to teach it. And so I think for me, I've tried to develop that. I am consuming a ton of information daily. And I love it. I mentioned at the beginning, you asked, you know, the whole podcast, you know, th- how are you wired? And a lot of how I'm wired is I'm deeply curious about a ton of things. And it's kind of what drives me as a person. But I think that I've also gotten better and better. And I have an understanding as to what, you know, right now I'm an assistant coach. What does our head coach feel comfortable with? What does he want to do? What are the ideas that work for our system and for our players? And then everything else, it's great to know. I have it somewhere rattling around the back of my mind. Maybe it comes up because it helps in scouting because I just have seen so much stuff that I can scout quicker or whatever it is. But I think that I try to just suss down what works well. The thing I also really enjoy that I take is I love vocabulary and I love small teaching points. I think that's one of the things, the feedback that we get a lot from the podcast is coaches love to hear other coaches teach or how they teach something, whether it's a vocab word for their zone or their X out defense, you name it. They love to hear vocab and they love to hear teaching points. And that's something I love. Maybe I'm teaching how to stunt in the gap some way. And I've got a vocab word that, I don't know, Sundance Wicks, you just mentioned, which has been one of the best podcasts of the year so far for us, how he teaches it. I might just steal that little word or verb or something. Uh, and that's some something I love to do and I take quite a bit of. I think it's a great point of like taking, you know, taking something from what you hear, but you still have to know who you are. Like, I mean, like you can't take everything. I think we had a guest and that they listened to one of our, uh, our, form, our previous podcasts with BJ Ivy and he's really into um, the mental side of it. And he's using all these terminologies, but he took something very specific from that whole conversation. So I'm not going to do it all, but that I could definitely use. So that's, that's a great point. Of, you know, you got to know who you are and and take all this information, which is a lot. I mean, it's a lot of information. I can only imagine 160 <laughs> podcasts <Yeah>. and <laughs> interviews and hearing different things. I'm, that's It's overwhelming. So let me ask you, is there something, you know, I think you kind of mentioned a little bit. Is there a common theme with coaches uh, that you can like that you hear from all these different coaches? Is there a common theme within us? that you that you can recognize i think we're all scared to death all the time you know i think (laughs) (laughs) i agree (laughs) is that why we're listening i'm like what are we gonna do yeah exactly (laughs) we want someone just to tell us the answer to just um no but seriously i think and i don't want to speak for all coaches i think that the 
a lot of the coaches that I really respect on the podcast or outside the podcast that we get to deal with or talk to, there is a sense of humility. And I think that you're in this long enough and you know this game humbles you, right? This profession, we joke all the time, like Pat and I kind of off air, like it's a crazy profession, right? The Our mental state, sometimes the our jobs, you know, our career growth is based off of kids or young men, you know, showing up that night and making baskets. And that's a crazy profession to be in over the course of a season. And I think that there is a respect and a humility for the craft. I think that these great coaches are constant learners. They respect the other coaches. They respect the other teams, even if they do something way different than they do, because there's a lot of ways to win a basketball game, a lot of ways to coach a team. And so I always come away with like a general sense of humility for the game, for the craft of coaching, because it's, as you guys know, it's freaking hard. It's Mm -hmm. not something you just show up and, you know, you plug some numbers in, you go home and you're, it, it sticks with you. It's hard. You can't sleep at night. You get up early. It's emotionally taxing all the things you guys know. And so I think that in general, I take from that, there's a commonality about sort of, you know, you want to be in control, but you're really not. And you're just trying to find ways to to kind of work through that in this profession. No, no question. And everyone, you heard it here first. All coaches are scared, especially the good ones. <laughs> the good ones are always on edge. And and to your point, what's really kind of funny, I, I think, and Billy and I, we've kind of talked about this before. We've won district titles. You know, you're you've won conference titles. We've done good things most of our coaches we've spoke to have done a lot of good things and then we've had tough times where we struggled where we had a season that was just a stinker and for whatever reason and and it's hard because as a coach you're like for the most part my methods are the same throughout yet I'm totally judged on that night or those nights that those kids that are a better than the other ones or come to show up to play to handle my business. Like it's, it's crazy how we're judged when our methods are kind of we're the same for years and years and years with a few changes here and there. And, and we end up losing our minds over it because we're like, wait a second, we're, I'm still a good coach, right? Or I'm still doing the right things. It's, it's, it is a, it is quite a, a weird belief that we have in ourselves well, you guys, you guys just had Dusty May on, which was great, and uh, we've we just had Dusty May on too. His won't be out for a little bit, um, but you know, talking to Dusty May about the thin line between winning and losing, between success and failure, you know, and for him last season, obviously a Final Four run, but you go back to the Memphis game, and it was close down the stretch, and it could have gone either way for him. And yes, they would have had a great season, but you know it could have gone either way in that first round. And then on the back end, he's a, a jump shot away from playing in the national championship game. If that ball rims out, you know, he's playing for a national title uh, a couple nights later and he didn't coach any different. He's the same great coach in both instances, but one night the ball goes in for him the other night, the other way. And we're judged on that. Uh, and that's an interesting profession to be in where we were judged on things like that. Um, because so much of what we do is behind the scenes, right? Like people, the public see a percentage 
of our work. Most of our work is done in practice and behind the scenes, but you're judged on that small percentage for the most part, uh, which I think is hard and which I go back to why is there's a humility for the game and for the profession. I think that a lot of the great coaches have. Yeah. We've seen it uh, all the time where a coach has a magical run, take changes their trajectory. They, they take a different job and they don't have the success that they had previously. They, you know, just, Things happen, and uh, yeah, the ball bounces funny ways, and hundred um, percent. It's 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 a great point, and I that Memphis game, you're exactly right. It, it could have been totally different. You know, we wouldn't have been talking about FAU. Nope, not in the same way, at least not in the same right. way. Exactly. Not in the same way. Not in the I same mean, way. right? And I and I also like coach as you mentioned, taking terminology from things. You go to so many clinics, and I always make the joke and. He said he would come on. I just I haven't reached out yet. But Tom Crean at our local coaching clinic put in a press offense. And, you know, that's great. That's great and all. But I think for the most part, most of us have our press offense. There might be a few that don't. But we're all looking for the little terminology that he uses that can fine-tune our press offense or something like that. And and I, I was laughing. I was going to make a joke. Like, you're looking for vocab. Patrick's looking for closeout tips and, and, and we, uh, so, but we won't have any of those here tonight. Like, so the podcast has exploded as you have talked about, at least in, in your minds. I mean, it's amazing. And now you're expanding. Like, how did that come about? Like, how did the expansion kind of stuff come about with SP plus and, and, or SG plus and those kind of things? Yeah. So I think that, you know, Pat and I's background also, so we're both business majors. Um, I was a business major, marketing emphasis. Pat was business with an accounting emphasis. So kind of worked out uh, as far as us at some point using our degrees for good. But as we started to grow and there started to be uh, a following in both the newsletter and social media and the podcast, you know, for us, it was, hey, is there a way to take this to the next level to create a legitimate business around it. And then how do you, how do you do that? You know, and we spent months and months trying to figure that out, studying all those kinds of things until we kind of came to this SG plus deal. And we've tried to methodically grow it. And we think about it all the time. I mean, we've got some stuff, partnership stuff. I'm really excited about I probably can't talk about right now on the show, but it's growing in that sense as well. And all of it is about, you know, can we create something that's really useful for coaches that, as you mentioned, like Tom Crean, you want to ask him about how he does a couple of things or whatnot on his press offense. And for SG plus, we get a chance to like do that and create those videos or create that content where we get to ask the coach or we get to dive into the things that we think are helpful for coaches because, you know, we both are coaches as well. So it's like, what are the things that would be beneficial for us and you know how do we continue to grow that so the podcast is you know we're fortunate to grow to where uh it is to this day the newsletter sg plus you know we were we had a good year last year where sg plus we had ncaa championship staffs in there nba championship coaches in there different levels high school like we had some really good coaching staffs and coaches in there and uh we're excited to continue to grow it it's something that we think about Literally every day. Talk about every day. Is there anybody that you've that you've interviewed that you really want to have on again? Like you, you may, may like is there someone that you 
just wanted to ask another question. Just, just like when you got done, you're like, oh man, <laughs> I really missed this one. Is there, is there anybody in particular? A lot, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> because usually when we get done and we hit end, it's you, you know you could talk to that coach for another hour or two. I mean, as you guys right. were doing right now the trick of a good podcast is about 20, 30 minutes in, everybody forgets they're recording a podcast and they're just right. having a good conversation. And so, you know, eventually people have to go to meetings or jobs, you know, whatever it is and have to leave. Um, but some of them we've had back on again, you know, there's a, uh, there's a coach that I think we're going to try to get back on, but Tuomasi Salo is now the head coach of Paris. He was at Telecom Bonn last year uh, in the, in Germany. He's now Paris head coach. His is one of the most downloaded podcasts we've had to this day, and he's not a name a lot of Americans might know right off the top, but just a phenomenal coach, and he gave a phenomenal interview, and we love to have him back because you talk about terminology and teaching points. I mean, he was so thorough and gave it all, and so we're hoping to wrangle him back for round two because it was just so explosive and such a good interview. Um, you know, there's... So many Andrea Trincari is another one who we're hoping to have back. He just gave this really interesting interview about life and basketball and coaching. And we felt like we could have talked to him for another hour. So those are a couple of European coaches we had on. We we're lucky to get Bill Parcells on. I know he's not a basketball coach, but if we ever got a chance to have him back, uh, you know, Bill was awesome. So that was an awesome too many to name. Way. That was awesome. Bill Parcells Thank you. was awesome. Yeah, that was really good. Thank you. Well, Bill was an interesting interview because he also said, Hey, um, I don't know how to, I can't use Zoom. I can't right. use any of these recorded <laughs> things. So can you just call me on the phone <laughs> yeah. and do it? And at the time we're like, sure, of course, we're gonna say yes. And then we figured out how do we record his interview <laughs> when we don't ha you know, so I basically had to tie up his phone on speaker to the end of my microphone. Um, so that his recorded through my microphone. So it's a very interesting <laughs> interview. But I think that's what wow. made it awesome because you knew exactly that was the reason why. Like you knew that Bill, like what's a Zoom? Like hey, that was, that oh, was yeah. money. That yeah, was thank perfect. you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I, I'm sure I give you a lot of credit because we, we've had one guest that was audio only. And and that is that was tough. That was a tough night, you know, have those conversations because you do – body language shows a lot and and you're able to kind of play off of those things synergy is now getting in the high school world so do you see slapping glass getting a high school coach on there at some point or have you already had one i, I can't do again 160 yeah, we, episodes we, yeah we've had a couple we had uh uh try to think so we had uh, marshall cho who's uh at the time was lake oswego head coach uh up in oregon mm -hmm. which is a really good program up in oregon and then uh, we had Rick Brunson, who at the time was at the high school level. He's now with the Knicks. And we had Don Showalter, who I know mm, was a long yeah. time, long time high school coach. So, um, wow, you're, you're testing my memory. I'm surprised I was able to rattle those three off <laughs> without looking. But uh, we're working on some more. So, you know, we'll come to you guys for, uh, for the best of those high school level coaches. <laughs> yeah, you can... You got to break down some video from Synergy on those high school coaches and, and, <laughs> and get it going. Coach, this has been a lot of fun. We, we value your time because it's kind of early evening for you and you're probably getting close to bedtime. That's why we're, we record so late because bedtime is for me, Billy's got older kids. So I don't know when their bedtime is, but, 
Yeah, they're just they're just they're just getting home. I don't know. We're actually <laughs> we're looking in a mirror for our bedtime. So um, we like to ask our guests this question, and, and it's it's kind of a stinker, but hopefully there's some good info that can come from it. What is something that bothers you most right now about basketball? It could be high school when you see and you're recruiting, or just basketball in general from the college game. Is there something that really bothers you most? Good question. Bothers me. So, you know, I think like kind of a, a f- too easy of an answer here would be sometimes the AAU scene bothers me just from a college coaching standpoint of trying to find players. And, you know, at times I think that it's um, it's a little much how much it costs, all those things. Uh, I think there's some really good coaches out there at all levels, but there's times where I go to a gym and it's, you know, it's not great basketball um, or, you know, kids are paying way too much money or parents are paying too much to, to park and for the entrance and for the concessions. And then you get one game and or two and yeah, there's times I think that's not great. Um, I'd say another thing that I, I don't, I don't know if bothers me is the right word, but we try to be really careful with telling people however they coach is wrong or they're not doing something correctly because outside of, you know, chucking balls at kids or, you know, whatever stuff that we all know you shouldn't be doing. There's so many ways to teach and grow. And I think that in our position with slapping glass, we do get a chance to access a ton of great coaches. And our job is always to promote how they coach, what they think about the game, what they do, and and not to make anyone feel like what they're doing is wrong or not what, how they coach is wrong. Because as we've talked about in this podcast, coaching is really hard. And some of us don't have access to the resources that others do to maybe learn how to run stuff. Or we get into coaching because we just want to be involved and we love it. We might not have the, the resources to learn, or we just go back to what we were taught. And I think that, uh, it's not a, something that, that bothers me from a, hey, I see people doing this wrong, but we try to just not come across like we have all the answers. You're dumb for doing it the way you've been doing it because I think that there's a lot of great ways to coach. And I go back to the respect and humility within it. And I think that that's something that we try to be cognizant of all the time with our stuff, with how we present the podcast, how we present SG plus is it's a place to learn. It's a place to grow. It's a place to explore yourself and discover and all that and not, Hey, look at us. You know, we've got this smart stuff over here. You guys are dumb over there or something like that. And that's never the thing that we try to come across as. Yeah, that's a, that's a great answer. And <laughs> the the money thing with AAU, we, we actually are in a fall league and, and I, I felt bad. I told my parents it's $15 for a day pass. But, I mean, really, they're only coming to watch us play. So it's, it's $15 to come watch <laughs> us play. And I really don't even want them to go. I'm like, I play I play everybody. You know, I got 15 guys. I'm so I'm not, you know, uh, so I, I know that frustration very and well. I was a part of I mean, I, I've coached youth basketball, too, in my past when I was at the high school level. And then early in my college career, I had a, an AAU team. And so I was at those tournaments every Saturday, Sunday. And yeah. So I know <laughs> for sure. Yeah, yeah, and you and you said it well too. There's many different ways to do things, and yeah. and even though some coaches do it a certain way, and you might not agree with it, it doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means 
it's a different way and maybe they need some guidance. We're trying to do stuff down here where in our County things are a moving target constantly. And maybe that's everywhere. You know, I, I can't say I can speak too much about other places except for what other coaches tell us, but we try to help those new coaches by getting in touch with them and say, Hey, you realize you got to do this, this, and this before you can do that, that, and the other thing. And they have no idea because in coaches, again, you're talking to some high level coaches, but you probably see it with other coaches, even maybe new coaches that come to Chapman, they give them the keys and they're like, all right, see you later. Good luck. <laughs> and and then the, yeah. the coach, your, your volleyball coach will come in and say, how do I put the baskets up or how do I put them down? Or how do I do these things? Like no one yeah. ever tells people that. And it doesn't mean that they're a bad coach. It's just, they don't have the, the backing or the knowledge or the experience that other people have. So that was, that was very well said. Well, coach, coach, we really appreciate you coming on big time. You're somebody we, we love to listen to and you and Patrick. So make sure you give him some love for, from us and maybe we'll have him on, but I don't know. We'll see. We don't want to go too far, but, <laughs> but we really appreciate you coming on. And also I, I would be remiss to not say thanks for your guidance. Cause as we started this podcast, I reached out to, to Dan and he was very open. It took us a little while to connect initially because of the time, uh, time difference. But once we connected, I have a page of notes of how to run this and I'm still learning, but, he got us off on the right foot. So coach, thank you so much for that. Well, guys, I just want to say thank you again. Uh, I know how hard it is to host and to ask questions during the podcast and keep it rolling and keep the flow. And you guys did a phenomenal job. It was fun to be on. And thank you for having me. And um, yeah, best of luck as you guys continue to grow this. It'll be fun to see. So thanks. Thank you. Thank you.